What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success In and Out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares and set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys that was in Leavenworth with and others who survived their own nightmare. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that'll help you knock down some of the prisons you built up in your own mind. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, Nightmare Success listeners. This is where you come from. What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? How do you adapt, survive, overcome, set yourself free? Hey, if you like the show, it, it just helps out so much if you can, you know, follow, subscribe, like, comment. It just it puts a, it puts the show on steroids. I love it when you guys do that. Um, I've had an interesting interesting uh, guest. I always have interesting guests, but I, I want to give a big shout out to Marcus Montgomery. He said, "Brent, hey, you got to you got to check this guy out, Lowell Newsom." He said he's got a great story, and and it's if you look him up on Instagram, he's a celebrity barber, master barber. He's all about service. He's all about making the hair, making the style. But he's got a great, interesting story. And I, he also will walk us through how difficult it is, even if you are the master barber, to get licensed, to get to actually be able to do your trade when you get out because they make it so impossible to get licensed if you're a justice-impacted person. We're going to get into all that. But before we do, I want to, uh, I want to recognize our show sponsor, Auto Plaza Direct. You know, who likes spending a couple of weekends – walking car lots, looking for a car. And then you spend four or five hours in the dealership to try to buy the car. It's kind of like a root canal appointment. Well, there's a better way to take away all that pain and hassle of getting a car. It's called Auto Plaza Direct. They are your personal car concierge. Just tell them the car you want, what you can pay, and they'll go find that car for you. They'll negotiate your best price. They also offer you warranties and financing. It's all full service. Go to autoplazadirect.com to get started with your personal car concierge. The new hassle-free way, the car buying experience you deserve, Auto Plaza Direct. Tell them that Brent from Nightmare Success sent you. All right. Welcome in, Lowell Newsom. How are you doing, man? Hey, Brent, I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. Well, we've, we've had, we didn't give up on this, Lowell, because, I mean, we, some reasons for some way, this technology thing... We couldn't hear each other, so what do we do? We switched from Riverside FM to Zoom, and we're good. We can hear and see each other. It might have been the weather, man. We, it's been rough here in St. Louis. Weather. The weather's been awful. It's been, like, gloomy, yeah. rainy. This is, the, that, this is that bad prison weather that, that, that brings you back, like those bad prison days, and it's gloomy, rainy. You go outside, walk in the track just to get outside, and it's just bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were that's talking. It. We were talking about the nachos too. That's that's not a bad thing though. <laughs> Microwave that's nachos. The, day, yeah. the days you sit up and eat them days like this, especially the weekend with the football coming. Oh yeah, be a lot of that. Big yeah. stuff on football weekends. This is big time in prison. AFC, yeah, NFC yeah. championships, playoffs. Yeah, sports. Yeah. I think you know was a it was a real escape for people mentally. Yeah. To feel like you're kind of normal being in everybody's kind of tied in. They've got their teams. You feel like you're normal. 
some somehow that that kind of created uh, a feel of being a part of. Especially back in the day, they used to bring the outside teams in and play guys, so you can sit around and watch some real good. So that is something. Talent. What What do you mean? It's like what What? That. How did they do that, Lowell? What did they do? Well, they had they used to have a uh, select team of guys come from like local colleges or whatever, and they would escort them in and play against our like A league teams on the uh, the prison A league team. Yeah, they have a lot. Of Security there, but it'll be a it'll be a real good game though. They bring some real good guys in there. It's kind of like the movie The Longest Yard, where they're playing the prisoners are playing against the prison guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little different, so much kind of the same. Yeah, the same, 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 same idea. So, Lold, uh, let's let everybody get a chance to know you a little bit. What tell us a little bit about how you, growing up, siblings, parents. What was little Lold doing as a kid? Well, little Lord was the only child. I grew up with uh, three sets of grandparents. Uh, mother and father weren't. My mother was around. Father wasn't too much. So I kind of just grew up searching for uh, some type of connection because I was the only child. I was always by myself. Yeah. And as I got older, it just turned that that lo- that loneliness turned into a curiosity for the wrong type of crowd so i ended up running with the wrong type of crowds and those type of guys getting that false love and well well, at that time period let's let's talk about like what how old would you have been when you were thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna run with a a crowd that that gets and kind of walks on the wild side would you been like a teenager young teenager grade school yeah yeah, I, I was a young teen. I, I got in trouble my first uh, stolen credit cards, uh, just trying to look like look like the guys from the neighborhood that was, you know, really doing something. I didn't have to. I had my grandparents; they all had decent money. But I just it was it was just a curiosity that I had never gotten satisfied, or nobody never let me know what the outcome would be if I was if I went the wrong way. That being the only child kind of be spoiled. Yeah. They kind of just hampered me. And I just never really understood what it was, even when I got in trouble. Like I went to juvenile for a couple of weeks so I got out. But I never really got got in a lot of trouble. With, with, with my grandparents. They kind of just pacified me. They didn't make a big so deal kinda, about it when you when you got into that juvenile nah. deal. And then what were the guys nah. in the neighborhood? Was that kind of a badge of honor deal? That's the that's the bad thing. The more you get in trouble, the more you get you know you looked upon as being one of those kind of guys and kind of fitting in. Yeah. Because I didn't have to do the things to that I I chose to do. Some guys have to. They come right, from backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them don't have a choice. I Man, see, those were my guys. Yeah. So I, I, I like them so much, and they like me so much. I would do things backwards to what I was really, you know, possibly should have been doing to, to try to fit in with them guys. So on the other side of the world, what was like school like? What was your school life like? And the teachers, I, I was one of the best students. All the parent teachers conference, the teachers like, we wish we had more kids like me. Because I was, I was growing up with grandparents. You grow up with a a a, a different type of respect. Um, I was real respectful, 
But on the other hand, I still had my my slick stuff going. I was sneaky with it. Yeah. Around all the all the all the all the uh say adults and like even when I was doing the credit card, I would spark conversation with the tellers to for them to not question me about whose card this is. Mm-hmm. So I learned, I learned, I learned that, learned yeah. that power the of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just some. You know, it's it's funny that you say that though, Lo, because I thought I didn't think you were going there. I thought you were going to tell me that you were having, you would have had all kinds of trouble as a kid in school, and that you 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 know bad grades. No, you you actually were living two different worlds. Good grades, perfect attendance, none none of that. No, no bad rapport with any teachers. All that. Went back to high school some years back. Teachers loved us. I, I was class clown, like prank jokes. Yeah. But I had a counselor tell me once before she told me that uh, I have a charm in which I lead people. Uh-huh. But I didn't know. She said, you you can get all your work done, and then you'll start your disruption. <laughs> she, said, she said, people, they can either ignore it or either they join with you. She said, you got to be careful with that. Now, this is the same person that later came and saw me in state federal prison, state and federal prison. The teacher. And this lady I never knew. Yeah, my counselor. She was a counselor for my high school. She wanted me to do, she she knew what I was capable of. She believed in you. Saw where I was headed and was trying her best to keep me keep me straight. I think that's so cool. I've got a I've got my youngest daughter that's a teacher and I I get feedback from her, you know, every so often and and you know, these kids that come back and see her or they talk about that they never understood math until they got into her class and just the the impact that a teacher can make if they really care about these kids is life-changing. You know, it's it's um you know, we don't know what impact a good teacher has until you look back on what those people did. But the fact that she stayed connected to you, Lowell, is incredible. Incredible. And, and that's, I love love teachers like that because so many of them just pass people or pass us on. Yeah. Just to get us out of the way. It's well, just, and I, I'm curious, so, I'm so, curious too, Lowell, did, when you were having these good grades and great attendance and showing up to school, did that also mean that you were kind of running with a different group of kids while you were in school and then you had your, your street kids that you were when you were out of school or did it all mix in together? I made it all mix in together. See, the, the I was able to hang with the bad guys, but I could also do my own thing. I could also do my work and do Did they make sports. fun of you at all that you were serious about school? No. Not at all. Not at all. A lot of them I would help get through certain certain classes yeah so i got i got different points for that and then i always hung with older guys yeah you got some respect oh, just helping them out yeah just hanging with them guys and they they, they took a liking to me mm-hmm. so I, I i rolled with that i ran with that so low lead us into the next step what happens to you after you is it does when do you start getting into things that lead you into prison time so when I graduated from high school, up until then I, I was I wasn't really in the streets, but I kind of was dabbling. Mm-hmm. So after high school, 
I went full fledged into the streets. I was just hanging out corners, selling drugs all day, every day, not trying to not trying to work. But the bad part about that was was if my drug operation didn't go well, then I had all my grandparents to fall back on. Like if right. the money was bad here. So I was I was I wasn't really learning, but I had one grandmother. She used to she used to be upset with my the, the, the head grandfather, which was her father. Okay. She didn't like how he pacified me and wanted she kind of wanted me to, you know, hit my bust my butt prior to. Right. She wanted me to feel it, but I I never felt it. So then it just became a tumbling effect. It, it got so bad that I was I was I was getting in trouble, going to jail every holiday before my birthday. My birthday is in December. Yeah. So anywhere from anywhere from October to December, I was getting locked up. This was going for I mean years. It was like a. It was like a habit. Why, like a, why, do you one, think, why would that have been that you were getting locked I, up in October to December? See, here, it'd be, it's just, for one, when you're in the streets, those are times that different indictments come out. Okay. Different times that the police tighten up on their jobs, you know. But it sounds like, Lola, so, you weren't getting hit very hard. No, you weren't. You don't. You don't. Not, because here's the thing. I could always fall back on. I'm a school kid. I made a mistake. Yep. I got so many passes with that. Yeah. They, they, they kicked me out. You're on probation. I went to every level of probation that you could go to, even to the intense. I went to intense probation where you had to come in house at a, with a curfew. Okay. This was way before they did the ankle monitors and all of that stuff. So it, on intense, you had to be in the house at a certain time mm-hmm. for the rest of the night until a certain time. And I got, I just, I just got in a habit of wanting to feel like that's how I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't have a reason. My grandparents even paid for me. They wanted me to get out of, out of the area so bad. A lot of four or five of my guys got killed one, one year and they rushed me to Alabama. They pay, I paid for me to go Alabama and m university. Mm. Because those were my close friends, and those that was that was my that was my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So they was you made it through that. Listen, you have to go. My granny begged me, please. Mm-hmm. So I left. But my granny always told me that wherever you go, you take what's in you with you. Mm-hmm. That in me hadn't got out of me. Right. So, so I took that behavior to Alabama. Same thing. Went there. I didn't get, I, I didn't go to prison there, but I had some cases pending. Mm-hmm. Came back to St. Louis. Of course, got locked up. Those cases came about. And long story short, they ended up banning me from the state because they didn't want to do the extradition. Oh, wow. They, ban- they banned you from Alabama? Yeah, they banned me from Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, that, and 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 what it man Brett and I can honestly tell you what it was was I didn't have a male figure close mm-hmm. to me 
to really be in tune with me. I had great, I had grandparents. Right. And three, like I said, three sets of grandfathers. Right. But the age gap is they can't. Right. I couldn't relate. Sit down and yeah, they can give me a different level of wisdom and sure. understanding. But that's what's a seed. It's planted. It's not right at the moment. Mm-hmm. My father didn't wasn't close to me. My uncle wasn't. He didn't teach me anything. He kind of just let me learn by trial and error. Right. But I was so adamant at trying to be something that I wasn't. I wouldn't give up. I kept going so yeah. many times, so many times, so many times until I had a probation officer. And he told me my last day of my probation for the state. He said, Mr. Newsom, you real, you real, you real slick and charismatic and all of that. He said, but what you don't know is people talk about you. You're doing this and that, but you come in here and you speak well and you look like this. He said, one day, he said, the Fed, the marshals, you're going you to catch yourself a 20-year sentence. Mm. He said, because you won't stop and you think that what you're doing, that you can do it so smoothly. Mm-hmm. Because I never, I, I can get my POs no trouble. Yeah. Any court dates I ever had, I ain't never skipped the bail. Skipped to do. All the time. Mm-hmm. But they saw, like, they they, they sense it. You know, you think yeah. you slick you older people. Them. You you're a good kid, but you're about to mess it up. Uh-huh. Man, and Brent, when I tell you, I don't know how many years, well, about 18 months after that, the marshals were at my door. Yeah. So what happens? And it started. How does it, how did, how does it happen? What happens? Well, I was, I was, uh, I had a uh, sealed indictment from some drug sales that I had made. So the marshals was actually looking for me, but they didn't know what where I was actually and what I was in. Mm-hmm. So I just so happened I had moved to uh was a, living in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Illinois. I had a rental car. I had a lady to get me a rental car because my car was. They had just repoed my truck. So the police re, when they repoed my truck, I asked them. I said, "Do I have any warrants or anything?" So no, you don't have none. We have a. They showed me the warrant for my truck. Mm-hmm. Put it on the tow truck, took it, so I wouldn't end up getting the rental car. One morning, I'm laying in the bed. My phone rang. And as my phone rang, I heard some beating on the front door. So I'm, I answered the phone. Hello? And this is a lady who I rented the car, her name. So she's like, what, what you did in the car? I said, no, I ain't did nothing. She said, the marshals. Or at the rental place, and they looking for you, and they looking for the car. So now at this time, I heard the voices from the front door. They saying it's U.S. Marshals. We own. They didn't know. They would. They we want to drive out the truck. They didn't know that that's where I was living. We want to drive out the truck. Newsom come out. Da 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 da. They didn't know nobody was in the house. So I'm laying and crawling around, and I could see the images, whatever. So. As I'm sitting there, I'm trying to be cool, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I sat there for a minute. I said, well, maybe they're gone. And a couple of days prior to, I missed the lockup on the door. But anyway, I moved the door about a half. Oh, and I tell you, Brent, that was it. They came in. That was it. Told my house up, uh, took me off. Yeah. 
took me off. Now I'm going through this federal process, St. Clair County Jail. And they don't and play around shit. on the federal side. No, no. It, they, 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 they respect you different because they, I guess they figure you got a lot of time to deal with. But, mm-hmm. I mean, just in St. Clair County, period, it's just, it's just a rough spot. Yeah. How long were you? How long? Yeah. How long did you go through that was, until you got sentenced, Lowell? I was about nine months. Yeah, because I had a, I had a partner that had went through the federal system before, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Man, load, hop out. Don't even play with these people. Mm-hmm. So don't be. It's not a, It's not like the state where you sit around and they can lower your sentence or whatever. So right. ain't gonna do that. Make make sense. Get up out of here. So." so what, What'd you get? Yeah. What, what did I they got send 10 you? years. How, 10 years? 120 months. 120 mm-hmm. months. 120 months. 120 months. And, where and when st- I found out, whether, when I, you know, reading read your paperwork, when they added up all the grams, I might have had maybe seven grams that was that was sold to an undercover. Wasn't, a, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't nothing Nothing huge at all. Right. But I made a few sales to an undercover. Yeah. And they they and they added that all up. So yeah. hundred hundred and twenty so months. From, where did you where did you go? I went to uh I went to Pekin. Oh, Pekin, Illinois. Pekin, Illinois yep. Yeah, but but the crazy part was when I my I mean, I'm in Illinois already. I was sensing uh Illinois. Mm-hmm. But this, they had to put me on an airlift just to go to Pekin. And when I tell you. So you had to go through what, Oklahoma? I had to go through Oklahoma. Then I went and flew to Michigan. I did a world tour just to go back to. Went to Michigan. (laughs) And I mean, I've interviewed so many different people. There is absolutely nothing good about traveling as a prisoner. (laughs) I mean, there, there is no upside whatsoever. Hey, if they knew that you shackle yes. hands and feet, yeah, and it don't matter what number of the bathroom you got to do, they not taking them shackles off. Mm-hmm. You can got to do one, two, or three. You're gonna be shackled until the duration of the flight. And, and but that wasn't. And I think the other thing is, is that the, the shackling is such a mental degradation. Yes. I mean, you feel like an animal when they they yes. do, when you've got it to your to your ankles to your waist and and hands to your waist. It feels there's, you feel about as low as you can feel about how you're being transported. When you see and a person sees Oklahoma city and understand what Oklahoma city is, that it's a prison that's built. Well, explain a a little bit. Explain a little bit. Walk somebody through that. Well, okay. Oklahoma city is, where they trans it's a it's a transfer center mm-hmm. where it's thousands of inmates just waiting to be transferred all over the country. And it's right there. So at the Oklahoma airport. It's right, right. It's broken. Uh, even they have an airlift in uh they, the airlifts in Oklahoma is different. But like people will never see Oklahoma. They will never see that place, even though no matter how close it is to the airport. Right. You will never see you will never see an airlift. You will never see the inmates. You will never see the transactions. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I always tell people to keep in mind of like a Conair, but without all the extras on the plane, mm-hmm. the security <laughs> perimeter yeah. around the airport 
Yeah. yeah, that's serious. Those trucks, yes, that's serious. But Oklahoma is a, just imagine you getting off a plane, you going in a terminal, and when you go through the terminal, that's the prison. Your feet never touch the ground, as they say. Mm-hmm. So when you walk, everybody's shackled, and you walk up to what it looks like is a roadblock of U.S. Marshals. Mm-hmm. It might be a hall. It might be a, ten of them. And they all got little wooden boxes in front of them. So the wooden boxes are for you to put each foot up so they can unhook your shackles at your ankles. And then they unhook the shackles at your wrist. And then you proceed to these different, um, what would I call them? Um, like storage rooms, big, huge storage rooms where herds of people go in to go to different, different um, sections of this process before you can go upstairs mm-hmm. you have to do a medical check they it's have like to a warehouse check. of people that they're processing just like a warehouse of animals yeah that's just that's just what like it cattle. looks like and you go from yeah cattle and you go from one room to the next from one room to the next but here's the thing if it's 200 people that just got off the plane no one can move from the room until each 200 person is in there mm-hmm. they don't they don't let you go to keep the room empty. No, they let the room pile up. Might let you sit there a while and then they'll start to take, they'll process this. Now, this is before you go upstairs to go to use the phone or go to sleep or whatever. Right. And that's another, that's. And, that's and you know, some hours. people can be there for a few hours and some people are there for months. There for months, just depending on where you're going. And it depends they, because they take you places according to numbers. You have to have a certain amount of people going to this institution for you to go. You just can't. And that's just going to take one person. It's got, I don't know the triggering number, but it has to be more than one person. So, yeah, you can sit there for some months. So, Lo, how long did it take you to get to where, where you're supposed to go to Pekin? So, it didn't, it didn't take me long for Pekin. I think I was there just... I went through o- Oklahoma one night mm-hmm. and it was, we was out the next morning. And, um, when I got to peaking, it was, I knew, I knew a few people already and federal institutions are, they're kind of misguided because they look nice. <laughs> you pull up, you always got the trees well, out front. Was new you know too, wasn't it? Peaking, peaking and Greenville. Yeah. They both are identical. Yeah. They look just the same. Yeah. So it looks it looks real nice and but you know it's a different it's a different lifestyle on the other side of the other side of those gates and fences. So how did as far as your mindset going in, Lowell, you know you've got 120 months. Uh, you know you finally get to where you know you're going to be. What are you thinking? What's going through your mind? I still. I still haven't, I still hadn't grabbed it yet. Mm -hmm. I still, because I wasn't, I was so used to just doing the short state bits and going home and here, then again, like I I said, by this time, all of my grandparents had kind of passed away. Most of the ones who wanted to see me grow up and I get out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them had passed away and I still had a few, my main grandmother and I had a few. So it was, it was, it was, it was hard adjusting to just 
And I remember I was, I was, I got, when I got locked up the, the, the uh, Y2K era was going on. Mm. And I remember I called my granny. I said, my mama don't never see y'all no more. Y2K gonna wipe out all the computers and everybody gonna be dead. He said, oh boy, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> he said, oh boy, shut well, up. Well, you know, that, that's you, funny you bring that up though. That was a big deal at the time. Oh, I was terrified. Everybody was yeah, worried about it. I didn't think I was going Turn to see Turn of the 21st no century, more. everything was going to crash. And so from state to Oklahoma City to see, I've never been around that many different nationalities and pe- of people. Mm-hmm. I never thought other nationalities got in trouble like me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> Everybody's I mean, here. Yeah, I'm in some big stuff. But then I see people that they treat a certain way, like people with the black boxes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I watch everything. I'm a people watch. I watch everything. So I'm like, hey, what's going on with him? Mm-hmm. And you later find out. But Pekin was, it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't bad as a couple of spots I went to because it was, it was real mellow. I knew a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of guys there. And, I got to I, I programmed a lot. That's that's the only thing that really kept me from getting in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. and keeping me sane to them places. Oh yeah. yeah the boredom look. of of just knowing that you have time and then how do you eat that time? Because everybody does it differently. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, Low. Did you get into cutting hair and being trained to cut hair and all that at Pekin or did that come later? They came later because Pekin didn't offer the program. Okay. But back when I was in the uh in a system, they had what they call educational transfers. Okay. So if one institution didn't offer a program that you wanted to take and you had 18 months to conduct, they would put in for you to transfer. So I had been in Pekin for a little over 18 months, about almost two years. Okay. But Pekin was full of all my homeboys and they was gang banging heavy. So I'm like, man, I don't want to get caught in this. I was, I already got a lot of time, man. I ain't, I ain't built for this. I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep programming. Where I was in Pekin, they had um, just basic educational programs. They had teachers from the community college to come in mm-hmm. and teach algebra, math, different, different yeah, stuff that's like great. that. A lot of people, a lot of places yeah, don't I, have that. Yeah, but I don't think they do it anymore. I think all that outside contract and they stopped yeah. doing that in the yeah. federal. Yeah, they stopped that. But uh, I put in and I asked my counselor if I could go or whatever. And he came back to me. He said, he asked me again. He said, do you still want to go to have a spot for uh, open? Mm-hmm. So I, I ran to the phone and I called my grandmother and I asked her, I said, Mama, can I go to Pennsylvania? I, I said, it's like, Thousand miles, 14, 15 hours away. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was like, wherever you go, I'm gonna come see you. Oh. So not not then I that was I ain't called my mom, I called my granny. Yeah. My granny was my my head honcho. So yep. yeah, to everything in life. Mm-hmm. So when I called her and she gave me the green light, go, I put in and I went. Yeah, and I went. And I didn't initially get in the barber program because it was so full. But they had several other programs. They had uh, building trades, culinary arts, barbering, 
and they had uh, hydroponics. Okay, so of course I go in. I'm still criminally minded. I'm around all these yep. federal guys, so now I gotta up my federal activities. <laughs> uh-huh. So I got it. I'm gonna learn how to grow weed, Brett. <laughs> take the hydroponics class and figure it out. Back then, yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I just ain't let it go yet. And yeah. I, let's see. These are the first years of prison, so you still. You're still trying to figure it out. You still, I ain't let go of the streets yet. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to mm-hmm. make this transition. So I, I, I think I want to be this when I get out. So I'm taking this hydroponics class, trying to figure out how to grow weed. Mm-hmm. And the guy was teaching me uh, back then. They didn't have the grow boxes and all this fancy stuff they got now. He said, "Man, yeah. So in order to make this work, you're gonna have to." Uh, catch the power before it goes to the meter box. Hey, black people don't mess with electricity, right? So Electricity can I'm kill looking, you. I said, what you <laughs> I said, what you mean? He said, no, before the electricity goes to the power, you have to find the cord, tap into it. That's how they was doing when they was doing the growing illegally. Then. Yeah. I said, you know what? It counts. I said, nah, I'm cool. I don't, I don't want to do that. That killed my excitement. So I tried some other, I was getting some magazines. I wanted to try to be a computer hack. I got a few magazines in uh, through this company called Lumponics or whatever. Yeah. And it was illegal magazines, but however, I got them out. I just kept trying to get them. So anyway, one day I didn't get an order of books. I went to the warden. I said, uh, he was in child. I said, warden, I I ordered some books and they keep not allowing me to get them. Pulled out a little pad, wrote. So what's your name? Gave my name, a number. He said, oh, yeah, those books you've been ordering, those are against da-da-da-da-da. As a matter of fact, if you try to order some more, I'm a, you know, basically let me know. I mean, the end of that, yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, so we'll have to find something else. And by that time, the barbering, barbering school came open, and I got in the program. So, you know, and, and I, I think for those who are listening – that is something that is important in the prison world. You know, it, it's kind of hard to explain because obviously when you're on the outside, you just go get your hair cut or, you, you know, women yeah. get their hair done, whatever. Yeah. When you're in prison, that's one of those things that it's almost like a luxury privilege to be able to get your hair cut. And if you got yeah. somebody that does a good job, it's almost like you've – you've beat the system that you're actually getting your haircut in prison and, and you, you're looking good. It's, it's, it's hard to, to kind of put that into an analogy of whatever that is, but it's a big deal for people who actually are, are the barbers in prison. They, they walk with a certain respect with uh, the prison population. I think. A barber in prison is one of the best positions to be in. Mm-hmm. If you have to go in prison, especially federal prison, if you're a barber in federal prison, you're okay. They don't have the barber schools no more. The right. 9-11 canceled all the schools. Yeah. So you won't get, you won't get that education no more, but some people will still be able to get that practice. Maybe mm-hmm. it's if you can get in the shop. Sometimes I know me and my crew, we ran the shop in Pennsylvania. We ran it for, I was up there eight years. We ran the shop for at least three or four years after uh, 
after 9-11 because we had built a team through the course of the, the mm-hmm. program. And then, I mean, low, like the, how many, uh, as far as on a, on a regular day, like how, how many people would you see to, to, to cut hair? Oh, my goodness. We have, you have maybe a hundred. That's a lot. A hundred guys. Yeah. yeah, because where we were in, um, where I was in Pekin, the, um, the, the um, barbershop was in the wreck area. Okay. Yeah. So, and it was, it was, it was a, it was, no, this was in, this was up in uh, Pennsylvania. In McKean. Okay. This is up in up in McKean. Yeah. The wreck was in the barbershop was in the wreck area. So even when guys went to wreck, the barbershop was a hangout. But mm-hmm. they come and do their tickets, they come and just every all the information comes through the barbershop. Sure. Whatever go on on the yard, every barbershop. Yeah, at the barbershop. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to know. And Wait. I and I came in as an underdog under my other barber bros, because mm-hmm. I had guys from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, New York, Detroit, mm-hmm. and these guys were all familiar with the trade, but I wasn't. And over the course of time, I end up being the top barber. Mm-hmm. It's a good gig. It's a good it. hustle in prison. I loved it. I, I love the fact that I can make. If you would please a guy in prison and you making cool, I'm without no funny shit. Uh huh. A haircut, when I saw what I did to those guys with haircuts, two things changed my perception of the barbering and in prison. One, I was still rebellious against order and this lifestyle Mm -hmm. because I was was in the first three years of my incarceration, so I still got this bitterness. Mm -hmm. So me and the instructor would we would go at it. She's an older judge, Judy, sharp at the tongue, no nonsense. Like, yeah, yes, keep you in line. Uh-huh. And I'm still trying to fight back and be rebellious. And she said, okay, took me to the, what we call the principal's office, was the head education. Uh-huh. Education run the barbershop. Uh-huh. So education, Miss Newsom, we got a line of people that want to be in the barbershop. We got one more time to cut up. You out of there. So, okay, let me calm down. Then my guys around me, they're like, man, look, you need this. Calm down. Okay. Second thing, I was cutting a guy's hair. This is after I've been cutting for a little while and I picked up a lot of tips from the other guys and tricks and I'm doing my own thing. I got my own name going. So one of the guys, uh, I cut older guy hair and he's doing prison. I think he might have been down 20 years or whatever. After I cut his hair, he said, young blood, you don't have no reason to come back no more. He said, well, what you just did and a little bit of stamps, we might all have been charged on a strip of stamps or a book of stamps at the most. Mm -hmm. He said, you did all that for that. He said, man, you ain't got no reason to ever come back. And I I took that to heart. And for those, we're talking about stamps. That's how everybody gets paid in, in prison when they're doing their hustle. So... Stamp, oh, yeah, stamps yeah. go a long ways. It's because you don't have money, so it's stamps yeah. is stamps is your currency. Yeah, your currency or your food, your macros or your tunas yeah. or whatever. But yeah, it's 
And, and, that, and the guys that, that cut hair me. had a lot of stamps. A lot of stamps. Oh, a lot of food. A lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't have the car home no more. I, yeah. Lowell, I remember I, I got my hair cut by Bob and, and at Leavenworth. And when I, I worked over at the Leavenworth golf course. And so mm-hmm. the way we got paid was is that $10 a day, they would order our lunch over at the bowling alley. So they made these really good cheeseburgers. So Bob, you know, whenever he cut my hair, that's how he got paid. He wanted the double cheeseburger with everything on it. And I would smuggle that back in there. So you get paid. Oh yeah. 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 And then we, we, I had a laundry guy. I cut his hair so many times a month. He did my laundry. Sure. Every week. So it, yeah. Best bargaining position you can be. In. Yeah, so, it's, so it's low when best. you get, so you're going along here. And you now you're trained. I mean, you're the guys are liking what you're doing. You've got you basically got yourself a good job in prison, which is a big deal because it eats up your time. As you start mm-hmm. getting close to the door, thinking about, you know, I don't know how many years it's been at this point. Are you thinking, okay, I, I've got something when I get out, this is what I'm gonna do? Or were you thinking this was just a pass by and whatever you're going to do when you get out, it's not going to have anything to do with cutting hair. Okay. So at this point in time, Brent, I didn't ran out of all, I didn't exhausted all my other bullshit remedies pretty much. So I'm, this is what I have. This, this is what is it was. All I have. Okay. Because I, everywhere I go, I make people love what I'm doing. And you're getting feedback so, from that. It makes you feel good. It makes right. you feel good because those guys are the, those are the, you know, they, yeah, you, you don't want to give a bad haircut rough. in prison to a bad guy. It's rough. <laughs> it's rough to make them like you like that. You know, like I was cutting, I was cutting cities. Yeah. Like my Pittsburgh, I had Pittsburgh guys. When anybody came in from Pittsburgh, I was the Pittsburgh bar. Uh-huh. And I wasn't from Pittsburgh. Right. So, and then I would add a lot of Detroit. I mean, and these guys is coming in new every week. Yeah. Every week. So I had got accustomed to every type of hairstyle. That's the advantage that that barber school gave me. Yeah, because it was all I got accustomed to cutting every type of hairstyle. And even back when my instructor was there, she wouldn't allow us just to cut what she called, you can't just cut your homeboys. (laughs) She made us practice the sheer work. On everybody. Which I thank. Yeah, which, which I thank her for because it's a lot of people that's comfortable in just whatever lane that they're in. Mm-hmm. If they only cut African-American hair, that's they stick to some crossover. Mm-hmm. The ones that cross over and are diverse, they see a different level of money. Sure. I didn't under, I didn't understand it when she was teaching me. I thought she was just being a butthole and just want to make me do some. <laughs> making I didn't it hard. Do. Right. Hey, making it hard. But when I thank her to this day for that, because when I came home, I was in the halfway house, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 stuck on cutting hair. Stuck on cutting hair. The halfway house didn't want to allow me to cut hair. It was a barbershop up the street. Uh well, it was a barber school. Mm. So they wouldn't let me cut hair. So I talked to the instructors. The, the instructors saw the hours that I had accumulated in prison. So they gave me a semi-instructor's position. Okay. So with that instructor's position, okay, let me I back up just a little bit. When I was released from prison, the federal uh 
federal prison gave me a certificate from the Department of Labor. It's a barber that you certificate. you were a barber of trade. Only, yes, but that only exists in the BOP. In prison in the BOP. So right. when I came home, when I showed that, no school. I had 5,000 hours. Yeah, they weren't interested. 5,000. And, and our instructor was before 9 11, these the hours that I accumulated, 5,000. But being that she was an instructor for that region, we couldn't get those hours because we weren't residents of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So those hours never went to any state board. They just stayed with her documentation. BOP within the BOP and then when they let her go we couldn't make any arrangements for for a state board exam or anything so those was just 5,000 hours just lost I had experience lost lost in the deal but you've created all this hours of experience of cutting hair yeah yeah it was lost towards all of that Mm -hmm. so um they sent us out with that and when like I said the schools nobody accepted it so when I went to do this uh, barbering instructor with this with this schooling, they were going to put me in a position where I could get the hours to take the state board. And this was in Tennessee at the time when I was released. I went to Chattanooga, okay. Tennessee. My mom was my mom was living in uh, in Georgia. She wanted me to come Chattanooga's close, be a closer nice to her. Yeah, yeah, Chattanooga was nice. Mm-hmm. Didn't want me to get. Back to my familiar grounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going to this barber school, going, getting my hours, whatever. Man, Brent, I go one day and I got to catch the bus from the halfway house. Mm-hmm. And at the halfway house, whenever you go from A to B, when you get to B, you have to call oh, and let them know I'm here and such and such. Yep. Brent, one day I went and the parking lot was a little more crowded than normal. So looking around and I go in the building, I walk into a, 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 a raid. The barber instructor, the guy that owned it, had been using some of those guys, some of the students' uh, social security number and doing some type of loan. Oh, man. I had no clue of nothing. So I walk in from the halfway house oh. into a, a raid. Which so freaks like, you oh, out my. because you don't want to be around anything at all when you're in the halfway I'm house. Like, it has anything to do with the legal world. You can't be. You can't right. be. You can't be. The first thing, I, my stomach hit the ground I'm like, oh, I'm about to get in trouble. Yeah. So the marshal's asking me who I am and this, that, and the other. I tell him, I say, listen, man, please, I have to call the halfway house. Please call and tell them I don't have anything to do with anything and let them know I'm here. So... Of course, they said, okay, you go through that process, and then when it's done, get back. So well, when I come back, that job terminated, of course, because the, the whole operation is gone, right? So that whole thing went away. So anyway, I had to get a, I don't know, I got another job doing something somewhere. And until I got out on, when I was released from the halfway house, then I went to supervised release. Right. Go through the same trouble with my supervised release officer. She got a conflict about me working in barbershops. She, I, she don't think it's a good fit. You should get a better job. Blah, blah, okay, blah. so, um, Mo, is she saying that because 
she thinks that bad things happen at a barbershop because of all the talk. Is that what you're saying? Even that's though, the, even though that's, that's a job trade of yours, she doesn't think it's good just because she thinks people talk shop in there. Okay. Think it's gonna trigger some bad behavior okay. in me or whatever. And this is before I started. Yeah, I gotta look. She has a reason later on, but not not initially. So um, I end up getting a job. I convince her. I get a job. I'm in Dalton, Georgia. My pro office, I think out of Rome, Georgia. And I start, I get introduced to this new exotic weed. And it's just, that's my weakness. So we go Triggers you the, back into like, it. Triggers me back. I'm smoking. I'm giving dirty yep. urines. Yep. No trouble. But she's highly furious about the dirty urines. I'm sure. For one, because she can't get a, a good... Um, Revocation because I was sentenced out of Illinois, but I'm here now in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So the judge in Illinois wasn't really honoring none of the revocation she was requiring. So I go through this process. We go back and forth, back and forth, dirty yards. Then one minute she tell me, okay, you got to stop cutting in the barbershop. Now this is, I have put in for my barber's, um, Barber's license in Georgia mm-hmm. to start a, a what they call apprenticeship program up under a barber I'm working in. Okay, so I submit I submitted the application to uh, the barber state board, and I'm just waiting on a response. So now in the process of that, I come up with another dirty. She said, "Look, you can't go on. You can't work at the barber shop. I'm putting you in for a." Uh, to revoke your, revoke your parole, and I'm going to try to get you sent back, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much grounded. So I get paperwork back about my appeal, and I ask her, Miss Shields, can I go and do this? This, I mean, I know you don't like me barbering, but this is a good Big thing deal. my job. Yeah. She said, no, you can't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't go out of a 50-mile radius. Mm-hmm. So I had to go from Chattanooga to Macon, Georgia is out of 50 miles. So I'd already had a, a, a hearing coming up and I decided, I said, well, I'm going to go either way. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. The either way, right. Might as well try to get the license. Yeah. I might as well. I'm going to try. So I end up going down, having a hearing, uh, four different guys uh, from the Barber State, Atlanta Barber State Board kind of question my background and question the reason. But first they denied my application and this was an appeal process. Okay. So I appealed it and when they they, they wanted to talk to me face to face, I had to have like maybe four or five uh which is it I mean reference. and low the reason I wanted you to tell the story, none of what you're saying is uncommon. When somebody has a felony record and they try to get licensed with the state, it's almost impossible you don't just go through. You have to take three or four steps and prove your case of who I am, why I need this license. And and I don't think a lot of people know that, like something like being a barber, you were totally, absolutely qualified to be a barber. But to get a license from the state, that felony record, care, it's it doesn't stop when you get out of prison. It's a lifetime thing. So you have to fight your way to get something that you already are qualified to do. 
So anyway, I just don't want to yeah, interrupt yeah. you there, but th- that's something that, that people say, well, why does everybody have such a hard time getting back into, you know, getting out of prison? Well, that's one thing. Like you are actually qualified to do this job. You got to have a license for it. It's, it's their process of deterring you back to your old ways. They yeah. don't make money if you don't go back. Right. So if they don't get people to go back, you don't make any money. They won't make no more money off me. I told them that and I left you. All what you made off me, that was it. So with that, I, I, just, I just threw all my cards on the table. I said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what happened and I'm going to let them determine my fate with it. So I was able to talk to them. They wanted to make sure that I wasn't the person who they were reading off paper. Sure. They were reading something from a person years ago, not the person that was sitting in front of them, right. but they, they wanted to hear it from me. Right. So after the process, it may have been the hour or so, whatever they let me know. Do. Okay. We'll notify you by mail. They didn't give me any idea of which way that they could possibly go with it. Mm-hmm. So now I have to deal with the, with my hearing. I go for my hearing. The judge ends up sentencing me to uh, just a flat year. So with a flat year, I have to do the whole 365. Mm. If he would have so sentenced me day. to year in a day, be then what, I would have had to do something like that. Months. Yeah. yeah, and then I could have been supervised release for the rest or whatever. But he told me, he said, Mr. Newsom, you've been just smoking weed and I ain't getting in any troubles or whatever. He said, so after you do this year, you're done. Okay. So now that's a hard pill to swallow because now I have to go back into the system mm. to do a year. And the thing is when I was, uh, when I just got the, I was, matter of fact, I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta, Atlanta USP. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes. That's the best news that I got in a place like that. Man, my fault, Brett. That place is that place is that place is rough. This, oh, when I, I pulled up there, this when I pulled up to that place, mm-hmm. when I saw that wall, I had to ask the guard. I said, "Man, you sure my paperwork right? <laughs> <laughs> Am I at the right place? <laughs> you probably get, never probably seen, get said a lot. <laughs> if you ain't never seen a forty foot wall." Oh my God, that yeah. was the most. That was that was that was scary. That was scary, and plus we was when you're in transit, you're not in main pop, but you're in population transit, mm-hmm. and it was so packed that we was in a a back hallway. Oh, oh. anyway, the best news I could have got called my girlfriend. She said, "You got a letter from the Atlanta State Board." She opened it. They approved it. Granted me my granted me my apprenticeship. So it was worth it. It was only worth it for a short period of time. Cause now I had to go through the year. Yeah. So now when I get out, I went out to find out that the shop that I was working before I went, they held my spot. But his barber license was expiring. Oh right. no. <laughs> So again, my license, the my 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 road to that, yeah, another obstacle. It was like I, I like man, man, I I wanted to give up. Yeah, I end up being uh, me and the lady. I was still cutting just to just to make it. Me and the lady end up separating, so I end up moving back to 
St. Louis. Mm -hmm. We moved back to St. Louis. I was just cutting. I wasn't really, I kind of lost a little feel for it. Went through a construction program class. Uh, some guy told me about a barber college in St. Louis, and I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to go try. Mm -hmm. End up signing up. I was taking care of my aunt at the time. That's a little, that's long little story with that, but I was able to go full-time, complete, finally to complete my barber program, and I was I was able to get licensed in 2015. That was, that was my first time I got, I was, that was my license. I, I made it. I'm, I finally got licensed. I didn't want to go that far and not not go the whole way because a lot of guys that I was going to school with, they would go to school and at the end that they would miss the state board. They wouldn't take the state board. Right. So they would have all this knowledge, but they wouldn't go and get the certificate. Take the final step. And even they wouldn't take the final step. Even when I completed it, I missed the state board test because I wanted to get it out of the way right away. I missed the state board test by one day here in St. Louis. So I had to drive. I signed up for Jeff City. Mm -hmm. I had to drive two hours to Jeff City because I wanted to take the test. I wanted to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. I had passed the practical. I got a got a nice score on the practical. So now I'm going to do the uh, the mock. Man, Brent, I went to do the mock job, the uh, haircut, and I'm the only one in there. Everybody in the previous years talk about how nervous you are because the instructors don't have anything else to do but watch you. Right, they're just watching, right. So if you do anything wrong, it's, 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 it's thorough on sanitation and this, yeah. that, and the other. Came out on top. I made it. And that, and that 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 made it that made it worth it. That made it that made it worth it. Even with the hurdle of taking care of my aunt in the process, she passed before I made it to that final step. But it was her spirit that pushed me the it rest of the way. Along. Yeah. Kept me along. And from that, I I I consider myself one of the most passionate barbers that you will ever meet because I come from a place out of the pits yeah that i made light of yeah and i swear and and with with coming from a place like that with that confidence mm -hmm. right after COVID, right after COVID, i moved to miami me and my son i don't have any family now right i don't know nobody mm -hmm. i went down there and visited one time and I, I can already cut everything right and i i told myself if you can go to prison and survive them 10 years, 11 years yeah. with, the, with the worst people that the country considers the worst people in the world. Yeah. You cool with them? I can move anywhere. Uh -huh. I can move anywhere. My spirit carries me anywhere. And the trade, the ability to service anywhere. I didn't came across many people. Anywhere. I can go to anywhere, any country. If I, I don't even have to really speak the language, I know just enough from. Yeah. What I've the people and places I've been, I can identify with just certain, just a little bit. But it's the confidence that comes from that that type of bad place. Well, I think I and think I it's a couple of different things though, Lowell, because 
as you're telling your story, each and every time you got blocked down, you got knocked down, got knocked to the side. They even sent you back a year, but you didn't quit. You know, each and every time the, you know, whether you were in the halfway house and the place gets raided or whether you go back to Atlanta and the guy doesn't have his barber's life, all those things, you could have made a complete U-turn and, and said you were a victim and rolled up in a fetal position, but you actually kept with it. And now you're at a point where you're creating your own world, your own business, and it's a success story. And that's what I love about stories like this is that Nightmare success isn't easy. Success mm-hmm. in getting out and reentry and trying to make your way has a lot of different things that knock you sideways and knock you down. And you have to have whatever that is, low that you have in your DNA, whatever that grit is to say, no, nope, I'm not, they're not getting me. I'm, I'm not quitting. I'm getting, I'm getting this. And that's, I think the, the truth and the authenticity of your story is, is, Man, it's not pretty. <laughs> what you had to go through and what you did, man, that's not it wasn't easy, wasn't pretty, got ugly, but you walked out of it. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. If yeah, you we, uh, go ahead, Lo. Just 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 I guess it's a say your upbringing or like you say, my DNA is just I didn't want to settle for. I Man, I saw stuff in there, Brett. I didn't want to. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to die. Like that. Right. Choice. So, yeah. I, yeah. I be, yeah. I push myself to the. It's no option. Right. When some people, because by human nature, we go back to what we feel most comfortable doing. Absolutely. Trouble it's a comfort time. zone. It's a comfort zone, mm-hmm. and so many times it was so easy to try to go back to do something negative mm-hmm. in these in these little grace periods of time mm-hmm. when I was wasn't doing so well. Right. But my grandmother told me one thing years ago that still sticks with me today. Even when I was going through all of those hurdles and trying to try my best to uh be this hell of a street criminal. Yeah. My grandmama said, I pray she said, I pray for you too hard. She said, I pray too hard for you to do good. So you'll never be good at doing that. And after a while, after you know, after a few bumps and bruises, be like, okay, well, maybe I need to try something out. Yeah. And I and, and I just I wasn't going to allow anyone because because I I fell in love with the art of barber. Yeah. It's therapeutic. And you're good at it, and you get a you get great feedback from it, which also gives you confidence to keep doing what you're doing because it's it's your thing. The I the other thing I didn't want to skirt over, Lowell, is you mentioned that your son. And you and your son went down mm-hmm. to Miami. So you're close to your mm-hmm. son? Is that are you guys together part of your yeah, world? Yeah. Yeah, he I have full custody of him. That's yeah, awesome. I, we went down there when I was when I was five and I, I mean, yeah. We we go together. We roll everywhere together. That's so great. He's he been with me through my ups and my downs and yeah, he my that's my motivation right there. I love that. Yeah, he keep me Yeah, he, his his voice is all I need for validation. Yeah. That's out of, out of anything in the world is his voice and his facial expression checks my validation box. I like that. As long that. as I keep them together. And, you know, it's 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 tough. It's not anything easy. Oh. And sometimes I get caught up in, I, like I said, I grew up with grandparents. So 
I was able to get I my man, my coworker hit the light. Hold on. <laughs> so I was able to uh <laughs> so I was able to um I was able to get wounds from different angles. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I be talking to him, I have to talk from father, grandfather, mm-hmm. uncle. Mm-hmm. I had to switch from so many different nah, leave it on for me. So uh I have to switch different characters in in raising them and then the times have changed from now it's like i don't i don't want him to ever experience anything i went through that's right yeah and i i didn't have to go through what i went through but it was just that curiosity right it, it, it's that curiosity is a that thing can grow out of character if you allow it right and so many different distractions of today put these different curiosities mm-hmm. in kids' heads. And I try my best to stay on top of them and show them a different way of life. I didn't come up in a bad house or alcohol, mm-hmm. abuse, or anything. You just had the curiosity of the street. Yep. It was just that curiosity of the streets, what it's like. It's, mm-hmm. it's the respect that you know these guys get and how people treat them and Yep. But that's a different world that don't have to be for everybody. Exactly. That's not a that's not that's not a world that everybody have to be in, no matter how good it looks, mm-hmm. how glorifying it looks. It's the it's the stories like how you let people know it's a darker side to that. Sure. Yep. To those prison bus rides shackling next to these smelly guys. It's a hundred of us and we all that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. You're not getting toothpaste on a regular. You're not getting Dove soap and lotion. That's a. <laughs> That's but we, right. we we made we made that we made that mental choice yeah. to not make that a part of our life. That recidivism is not. I'm not in those numbers. Yeah. I'm not in those numbers. That's a big deal, Lowell. And, I I, I want to ask you because you've walked through so many different paths where you are today, what, what do you think is your biggest takeaway from all of it to tell the listeners out there? To believe in yourself. I like that. If I was able to make it and I tell people I had a strong support system, my grandmother, she was a soldier. She made it throughout all of my prison stints and she passed away in 2011, but all she instilled in me made me to who I am. So hopefully, if the people have a strong support system, mm-hmm. s- stick as close to them as you can. Mm-hmm. Every- everything else is artificial. It's a distraction. Mm-hmm. The Your support system who stuck with you through However much time you did, whoever it is, wherever they at, however much time they have to go through, whoever is there supporting you unconditionally, hold on to them. That will give you a confidence if they pass away. You have built a confidence in yourself to be better than what we were. It's a it's, it's self-esteem. When I came home from prison, I noticed, I noticed, you you hear 
how low self-esteem is in prison and through yeah. monthly guys we hear all the women so we want to prey on the women mm-hmm. men is out here with low self-esteem just as well right you have a low self-esteem as a man if you don't put yourself in a position to do what manly things are mm-hmm. shape the thought of you're not this person just because you're going through this situation or you just come out of that situation. Right. Okay. That's that, that's that chapter. You can't allow yourself to be defined or contained to being that person. So with that, you have to have a develop a strong confidence and love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause without that, anybody can tell you anything They can drag you around mentally in any direction that they want to. As the old saying go, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yep. I love that saying. And the, and the, and the stand for something, you have to have solid confidence yeah. in whatever you're standing on. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're standing on. So if a person want to make a, a, a drastic change, you have to buckle down. Buckle down and grit it through. I love it, Lowell. That's, that's a great takeaway, and especially after everything that you've been through. Uh, it comes from the heart. You can, I mean, you've walked the walk. So Lowell, if, if, uh, people want to get a hold of you, they want to get in touch with you. Uh, where, where, what's the easiest way to go? Uh, my Instagram is master underscore Barbara underscore low. I'm on Facebook. My name, Lowell Newsom Mm -hmm. and couldn't have fresh cuts and St. Charles on first capital. Check out my man. Check out my man. You can check out his work on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, see what he's up to. He's doing good work. And uh, if people want to get a hold of me, it's at brentcasty.com. It's with a T, not a D. We spell it wrong. Uh, and <laughs> if you're trying to get to a book out there, you need to read something, go get my book. It's uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Nightmare Success. And if you got time, leave me a review on apple those are the best they just pump up the show loving the likes and the comments and subscribing and following it's always great as i used to say uh when i was writing my emails back and forth from leavenworth stay strong i'll do the same lol newsome i appreciate you man great story man bro appreciate you man keep it going all right man nightmare success in and out